was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Rejoice, beloved young young woman, for the Lord is with you, and you are anointed with great favor. Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this may mean for her. But the angel reassured her, saying, Do not yield to your fear, Mary, for the Lord has found delight in you and, and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme and will be known as the Son of the Highest, and the Lord will enthrone him as King on the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign as King of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. Mary said, How could this happen? I am still a virgin. Gabriel answered, The spirit of holiness will fall, will fall upon you, and Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you, and in a cloud of glory. This is why the child, this is why the child born to you will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your engaged aunt, your aged aunt Elizabeth, has also become pregnant with a son, the barren one, is now in six months, in her sixth month. Not one promise from God is empty of power. Nothing is possible with, nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying, Yes. I will be a mother for the Lord, as his servant, I accept with it whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass, and the angel left. This morning, we light the joy candle. And I want to suggest that in that familiar story, Mary shows us the secret to joy. Um, let's start with a bit of context because uh, that wasn't random. I got Ashlyn to read to you and to light that candle this morning because I wanted to give you a bit of a visual as we start, all right? Mary is a teenage girl, probably between the ages of about 13 and 16 years old. Ashlyn is 13. <laughs> Do we stop and think about that very often? Like, ooh, I, don't, I, I don't think about that <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, you know, back in that day, okay, Mary, she's engaged, which is normal for that culture and time. Um, the engagement would have been an arrangement by her family made when she came of marriageable age. Um, and it usually lasted about a year. And during that time, as we heard from Simon last week, the, the bride-to-be was considered, it was, it was as good as marriage. So although the, the couple hadn't come together yet, um, as Simon pointed out last week that unfaithfulness on the part of the bride during that engagement period, at that in that day and time, that was punishable by death. So this is no significant encounter that Mary has, okay? She's in this situation, she's probably around about the age of the girl that you just saw standing up here. She's engaged to be married, and one day out of the blues, this angel rocks up and shakes up her world. He 
he greets her with this strange message. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, I'm not sure um, what connotations those words may have held in that, in that time, um, but we're told that Mary was greatly troubled at his words. So I'm guessing that there was something more than the shock of just the unexpected appearance of an angel turning up in her bedroom that had her going, huh? Right, what? Okay, but get this. Mary goes from troubled and bewildered in verse 29 to questioning and curious in verse 34. In verse 34, she's like, mm, how, how can that happen? The biology's not quite adding up here. And then she gets to yes, all in the space of nine verses. <laughs> like, what is her secret? She doesn't offer up any arguments or excuses. She doesn't push back with any conditions or time frames. Just yes. See, I'm thinking about some of the holiday jobs that have been um, handed out around our home over the last few weeks. Um, and the, shall we say, navigating that's gone down. All right, now, uh, we're talking stuff like hang the washing, clean the windows, trim the hedges, like nothing that would cause public disgrace, nothing that would bring shame on our family, um, nothing that would potentially disrupt life plans for the future or possibly even get the person carried out the t carrying out the task killed. Okay, nothing like that. Just, actually, our kids have been pretty awesome, so I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. But I do have the suspicion that if somebody was recording our family history for, for all of time, it might have taken a few more than nine verses to land where Mary got to, uh, which was, yes, I accept whatever you have for me. I am the Lord's servant. Wow. But I think it's her very last words that give us the key. She says, may everything you've told me come to pass. See, Mary's yes came from her trust. The angel told her, not one promise from God is empty of power. Nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded, saying yes. Her yes came from her trust in a God that can do the impossible. Her yes didn't come from knowing all the details. I don't know if you know that song, Mary, Did You Know? And it goes through, it's beautiful, beautiful um, Christmas, I don't know, would you call it a carol? I don't know, Christmas song. Mary, Did You Know? And it goes through all these things that, you know, is going to become of this baby. And actually the answer is no. She didn't know all of those details. So her yes didn't come from knowing all the details and it didn't come from any special qualifications that she thought she may have had that would have made her a good pick for the job. You know, she wasn't sitting there going, oh yeah, you've chosen well, right? That's not where her yes came from. Her yes came from knowing actually where the responsibility lay. May everything you've told me come to pass. She knew it was nothing to do with her. Okay, God, you've got me. But it's 
on you to make it happen. I'm the servant. You're the God of the impossible. Mary's yes was rooted in trust. So how's our trust this morning? (laughs) I've listened, I don't know how many times this year, to a song by Maverick City called More Than Able. These are the lyrics to the first verse. When did I start to forget all of the great things you did? When did I throw away faith for the impossible? How did I start to believe that you weren't sufficient for me? Why do I talk myself out of seeing miracles? See, Mary said yes and made room for God's miracle. How about us? Have we come this morning expectant that God wants to do the impossible among us? Or is this just what we do on a Sunday? Like, actually, no matter who you are, God wants to encounter you this morning. And what about outside these four walls? Do we head into the week each Monday? Do we go back into the week tomorrow with the sense that God is, the God of the impossible is at work in our schools and our homes and our workplaces and our community? What about our hopes and dreams for Maharangi Vineyards move to 5 Pullum Road. In case you didn't know, we're moving. So are we going with the thought? I know we have this banter, you know, and there's been these, these great things kind of thrown around about how wonderful it's going to be, right? And it is going to be awesome. But are we going with the thought that this is going to be like a cozy little home for us? You know, we we won't have to share our space with anyone else. We won't have to get out for the pickleballers coming in. We won't have to clean anybody else's mess up that they've left behind before we can get started. Is that, you know, is that what we're going with? Because I'm sure that those will be great side benefits. But I'm also pretty sure that God had more than that in mind when he entrusted us with that property. Okay, a hundred... And 50 years ago, I think I've got that right, 150 years ago, God put a lighthouse on the hill in the middle of Walkworth because his heart for our community is summed up in this moving song by Tom Walker. You might have heard it on the radio. He wrote it as a message to his friend struggling with addiction, and it says, if you look into the distance, there's a house up on the hill guiding like a lighthouse to a place where you'll be safe to feel our grace because we've all made mistakes. If you've lost your way, I will leave the light on. And as I typed those words earlier this week, sorry, I really felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want to read them again as a prophetic declaration over Five Pullum Road and to all the hurting and lost and unloved and addicted. (laughs) 
if you look into the distance, there's a church up on that hill, guiding like a lighthouse to a place where you'll be safe to feel God's grace because we've all made mistakes. So if you've lost your way, we will leave the light on. This is God's heart for our community. This is what he's entrusted to us. So are we moving with the expectation that God is still in the business of transforming lives with his hope and his love and his peace and his joy? And if so, if that's what we're believing for, then we need to be expecting that now because a building doesn't change that. When we move, we'd better believe that God's got bigger plans than our convenience on a Sunday morning. But right now, this morning, if you're here in need of God's hope or peace or joy, then know this. That's exactly where he wants to meet you this morning. He wants to encounter you today. Can you believe that? Mary believed. And her trust led her, yes. But I told you that Mary showed us the secret to joy, and we haven't got there yet. So check this out. Another eight verses on, and we find Mary with Elizabeth, the barren one. Don't you love that? The barren one is in her sixth month. And here we find these two women together. And Mary bursts out singing. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. That's a pretty good indication that Mary's yes was not like my yes can sometimes be, a resigned acceptance. Okay, anybody feeling me on that one? Like, okay, I'm your servant, I'll do it then. Okay, I, I, we can tell by these verses that Mary's was a trust-filled yes that resulted in joy. Let me read it again. My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. She said yes to God, expected him to do what he said he would, and then rejoiced in it. Because who doesn't love a miracle? Sim sounds simple, hey. <laughs> Don't be fooled. I said Mary shows us the secret to joy. I didn't say anything about simple. But can I take a minute to remind us that God's invitation and Mary's yes didn't just result in joy. It led to chaos. It was a scandal. And as Simon pointed out last week, this would not have been easy times for Mary and Joseph which makes this joyful response of Mary's another miracle, really. It's a crazy kind of joy that, in spite of these tumultuous circumstances, can sing, my soul is overflowing with praises to God. My spirit bursts with joy. That's a joy that comes from a yes that's rooted deep in trust. It has to be. That's a God kind of joy. That kind of joy is not the, yes, 
of not having to pack away chairs at the end of a service. It's the kind of joy that comes with having to put out extra chairs for the people being attracted to the light. This kind of joy will have plenty of messes to clean up still because this is the joy associated with chaos and scandal and miracles of salvation and transformation and that stuff can get really messy, just saying. i tell you what else is crazy about God's joy. It's contagious. So Elizabeth says, The moment you came in the door and greeted me, my baby danced inside me with joy. Okay, did you get that? Baby John responds with joy even before he's born. Now that's crazy joy. Don't you just love how God delights to do the unlikely and use the unlikely? I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's a sense of mischief and humor. Um, Lukey's got to get a sense of mischief and humor from somewhere, and we're not claiming it, so it must be God. Um, but I mean, really, Mary and Elizabeth, two unlikely women at opposite ends of the spectrum, one too old, her community having concluded years ago that she was barren, unable to do the one thing, as Lyndon said, that woman back then were supposed to do. She'd lived half a lifetime of disgrace. And the other, too young and in disgrace, her community likely concluding that she'd done the unpardonable and cheated on poor old Joseph. So if you're here this morning thinking that you're an unlikely candidate, you're an unlikely choice for God to have anything to do with, you're in good company. And as an aside, if you're thinking that you'd be a logical pick for God, you're probably not. <laughs> to all the teenagers in the room, are there any teenagers in the room? Yes, to the teenagers in the room. Come on, I'm speaking to you this morning. Know this, God came to a teenager. How crazy is that? God executed his once-in-a-lifetime delivery plan through a teenager. And Grace has already read the verse this morning, but he says to you in 1 Timothy 4.12, I think God's speaking to you this morning because this is the second time you're hearing this scripture. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Be an example in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. In other words, don't wait. Give God your yes now. And to those of you at the other end of the spectrum, in the retired season of life, God's not done. Maz spoke about discipleship several weeks ago. Um, and, you know, I was thinking about that. Elizabeth encouraged Mary. Mary sang and prophesied over her unborn child. Earlier in the service, we spoke into and prayed and prophesied over our year six students. That wasn't just to kill some time. Let's make it a habit of our lives to be looking behind, encouraging, giving a hand up, praying for, prophesying over those who are younger. Let's not be 
those older people, and I can be guilty of it too, so I'm not just looking at the older, older people, right? But let's not be those older people who are shaking their heads and despairing over the youth of today, you know? Like, let's be the ones championing them into all that God sees when he looks at them. So what's the ultimate lesson from Mary? I love how Ann Voskamp puts it. She became a space. Mary. She opens her hands and she nods. And the promises come true in the space of her surrender. There's no need to produce or perform or perfect. Simply become a place for God. That is all. If we can take one thing away from Mary's story, let that be it. She became a space. It actually was that simple. Not uncomplicated, but that simple. And God's invitation this morning is the same as it was to Mary. Will you make space for me? Will you trust me to do what feels impossible? Will you hold me and carry my presence to the people that I position you amongst? And will you let me take hold of you? Will you believe that I want to? It's not much good to uh, preach about making space for God and then not do it. So I'm going to wrap up this morning. The worship team's going to come back up and join me because we're going to finish this morning by making space and bringing our expectancy that God will move. And as these guys make their way back up, I, I want to extend God's invitation to you. I would love to pray with anyone that's stirred to respond in some way. And if I'm honest, I need someone to pray with me. So as these guys lead us in a song, come on up if you want to be prayed for. And come on up if God's prompting you to pray for someone else. If you've never made much room in your life for God, and you know his invitation is for you this morning, then make today the day. His presence in your life is the best present you could receive this Christmas. So come and let us pray with you. Feel free to sit down. Or maybe you've said yes in the past and things didn't work out like you thought they would. I'm sure Mary could have related to that at plenty of points along her story. And yet in the big story, God had it all. So come if you're asking God to show you again that none of his promises are empty of power. Come with your impossibles. Bring your need for a miracle working God to do all that he said he would. And come in repentance if like me you've sometimes thought you needed to play God instead of simply making space for God to be God.
I know that you're all sensible enough to go when you need to, to get that cup of tea if you're parched, to pack up the chairs when we get to that. But this, don't let anyone take this moment away from you. Let's become a space for God. And Father God, we bring our expectancy this morning that your presence is here in power and that you are ready and longing to minister and to